I want to refresh as we come to the passage we're about to to study this morning, and I want to refresh what we've already learned. Uh, As we've been going through the book of Luke, we've taken um, great strides to see it in context, and the very first picture that we had was um, when Jesus healed... um, when Jesus healed the man with leprosy. And um, it was interesting as we took a look at that study a couple weeks back that this is a disease that takes away your ability to feel pain. Remember? Hansen's disease. So if you want to live in a pain-free world, all you need to do is go to a leper colony. And as we learned from Dr. Bard, that, that pain is a gift from God. And, and it's, it's to show us that this is a fallen world. It's to give us empathy for others. It's to warn us when we're in danger. There's a number of things that, that pain brings about as far as a gift. And when we live our life trying to avoid pain, we become isolated, just like a leper. And, and we start to warp. And we start to disfigure and, and God wants us to step into this world of pain. And some folks have experienced it more than I could in my entire life. But God works it together for good. He's doing it in our community. And as I, I see this, I was moved by this, this, this man with leprosy. He's healed. And the first thing that the Lord says to him is he says, go and show yourself to the priest. Jesus turned to the leper that he had touched he healed him. He said, now go and show yourself to the priest. And remember, it's three chapters in the book of Leviticus dealing, in Second Chronicles, dealing with this disease called leprosy. In a, in a world of 7.53 billion people, 200,000 cases of Hansen's disease occurred in this last year. It is a minuscule disease for the most part. Nowhere is there a sacrifice specifically outlined for heart disease or a sacrifice in the Bible specifically outlined for cancer. Or This is the only disease that has a specific offering, two doves. You remember one dies, the other flies, one dies, the other flies. And, and it's very involved and all that takes place in the, the blood on the earlobe, the blood on the thumb, the blood on the big toe, in the right side of the body. And then the oil has to go on top of the blood. And then you have to present the cleansed leper in front of the, the people after eight days. And, and then they accept them back into the fellowship. So what's occurred is Jesus heals this guy, sends him to the temple to, to declare, to show the priest uh, and, and to make an offering and a cleansing as a testimony. And so he sends him to the temple. And so this, this leper that everyone knew shows up at the temple. And the temple, they're stunned by it. And they, they, they have to pull out these antiquated books that they haven't even, in passages, and they blow off the dust, and they, okay, what do we do here? Okay, shave the head, okay. Uh, we gotta go get two doves, okay. We gotta do the, okay, and then we're gonna, all right. And they're walking through the whole process. And now the people come out, because everyone knows this leper. He, advanced stages, as Luke pointed out. He had been there, and he had been begging. And, and all of a sudden, they're seeing this man who's completely restored. His, his fingers are back, everything, completely restored. They're stunned. And, and the whole community. So as a result of this, it, the, the word in the Greek that Jesus was of renown, the word of him spread, was this idea of, of he was popular. But now as it gets into the further passages of Luke, it says his testimony, his word goes forward. And now all of a sudden he has validity. And he has validity because they hadn't seen a healing of a leper. 
and, and not even in their lifetime, let alone for hundreds of years. This has been a, an antiquated text, but God had orchestrated it through the hand of Moses that this would be the culminating point in the introduction of his son as the Messiah of the world. And he does this not for the leper's sake, even though the leper was grateful. He did it for the sake of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the teachers of the law because he loved the moral pietist. He loved the religious. He loved the legalists. He loved those people that had their noses in the air and thought themselves better than others. He loved them. It's not until the later portions of his life when they're coming after him to kill him that he's, he's calling them on the issues that they're doing, but he never attacked their character, although he did say brood of vipers because of the way that they were acting. They were just putting in gossip and slander, and he, he called it for what it was. But at this point, he is reaching out to them, and he loves them. And he sent this leper, this, this healed leper to them to open up their eyes that before them was their Messiah. And they're moved by it. So much so that as we read last week in our study of, of, um, of the book of Luke, we remember that all these teachers in Luke chapter 5, now it happened on a certain day as Jesus was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So they all gather in the synagogue and at this point, there's 50 to 70,000 people who have heard of this, as scholars have declared. And when we go to uh, Israel in May, you'll see this synagogue, and it's very small. And 50,000 people, it's packed to capacity. But the people who have the seats in the front row are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. They're all seated there, and they've come from every town. There's over 200 towns that had a, a Pharisee or a Sadducee living in it, and they're all packed in the front section of the synagogue. Jesus is in the middle, and they all get to watch. Because they all know that a leper's been healed. They had to bring out the books of antiquity to see this. And now they're saying, who is this guy? And, and as, they're, as Jesus is speaking, all of a sudden the ceiling opens up. This paralytic is lowered down. We remember that study. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. And he's like, hey, I didn't come for my sins to be healed. Work with me here. And he says, just so that you know that the Son of Man has the power to, to forgive sins, he healed him. And he picked up his mat and he walked out. And all of them are like, whoa. Whoa. And the first word out of their mouth, the first word out of their mouth as they said in this sense, um, when he had, he had turned to the man, he said, your sins are forgiven you. The first thing he says to them, uh, the first thing the Pharisees say to him, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Uh, these religious leaders, they, they look and they say, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Now, there was an observer and we're going to cover this. We're almost at the point where we're going to study the text. There was an observer who was present with the leper being healed. There was an observer present when the paralytic was being healed. And he was a Jew. He was a, he was a Levite. He was a priest. His name was Levi. And he was from the tribe of Levi. So he'd been trained in the priestly duties. And he was prepared to step into the temple to be one of these religious leaders. But when you work in a church or a synagogue or a temple, there's a, there, there's a problem. And some of you know this. You learn how the sausage is made. 
you start to realize that these religious folks speak out of one side of their mouth and then also out of the other side of their mouth. You realize that they are people who put their pants on one leg at a time. They have arguments with their spouses. They don't do real well raising their kids. They compromise. Anybody ever experienced that? And there's actually people in the room right now who are like, I don't even want to be here. I'm sick of church. I gave up on church a long time ago. It's full of hypocrites. There's room for one more. Welcome. My point is this. Yeah, the church is dirty. You know why? Because it's filled with folks like us. Okay. (laughs) Anyone without sin, raise your hand. And, and, and yet Levi got to a place where he was, he was pained by it. And he, like many people in our generation and in our lifetime, have decided that they've had enough of the church. I'm not going to be around people who hurt me. And they leave. Well, that isolation is going back to the leper. God intended us for community. I, I listened to my wife's sermon yesterday, or... or she, talk that she gave to the women's breakfast and I, I hear her and I, it, it frustrates me because I, I try to see things like she does and I can't and she speaks and people are moved and she's just gifted and it was such a profound presentation of this idea of friendship especially coming up to Valentine's Day where folks go through loneliness and her study was really remarkable and I was so touched by it and I thought how it tied in I almost wanted to step aside and have her come and just teach because it was really this insightful, this idea that if a man desires to have friends, he must first be friendly. And to be friendly means that you have to be able to endure pain because people are difficult to get along with. Look at yourself. Look at me. We are difficult to get along with. But yet God created us for community. He said in the Garden of Eden where everything was perfect, he said, there's one thing that isn't good. It's not good that man is alone. It's not good to be alone. And and here, Levi's all alone. He's checked out and he's so dissatisfied with the synagogue or the temple or the religious community that he abandons his, his heritage and he becomes what is called a publican. Not a republican, a publican. He becomes a publican, and and he's a tax collector. Everyone go, boo. Anyone who loves a tax collector, raise your hand. You're a tax collector? No, I love them. Oh, you love them. But you don't like them. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Thank you for ruining my sermon. Uh, No. Tax collectors. I mean, we're coming up to April, right? And everyone's saying our refund's going to be less and, uh, you know, whatever it is. And we don't get to deduct our state income tax and yet it's really high and it's irritating. So we, we tax collectors and, and he's despised. And then the Romans who he's working for, they're just using him. And he doesn't have a friend in the world. And the only people he can hang around with are publicans and sinners. People who just want to drink their pain away. And you can sit with me at the bar stool as long as you're just as inebriated as I am and we're both checking out of the world of pain. And, and here he is. Now he's witnessed, he's witnessed God ministering to the priest that he disdains 
through this leper being healed and forcing them to do the sacrifice and, and testifying that he's the Messiah. And he comes and he shows up where this paralytic is lowered and he's like, God is here, check this out. And, and he watches this paralytic and he watches a paralytic leave and the only thing out of their mouth, and it's frustrating him, the only thing out of, his, out of their mouth is, who is this who blasphemes? He's like, what is your problem? And all of this transpires. And then it brings us to the passage of scripture that we are now going to stand for. Please stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. We're going to pick up at verse 27. After these things, meaning the leper, the paralytic, remember? After these things, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Everyone say tax collector. And everyone please say Levi. He went out, saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all. Everyone say left all. Rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave Jesus a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them, and their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. The Lord is using this to deeply affect not just Levi, not just the sinners and the tax collectors. He wants to love on these Pharisees and these scribes, and he wants to love on you. Let's pray. Lord, would you bless our time as we study your word, and would you prepare our heart to receive all that you'd have for us as this passage was written to touch the lives of those present at the time of its occurrence, but Lord, even more so now in our fractured and hurting community. Lord, would you touch every life present here and those within the hearing of my voice? Would you allow this like a pebble in a pond to create ripples that will get into every area of our city? Lord, would you help us? Would you bring healing? Would you allow us to be like Levi and give it all up? Lord, help us, please. Spirit of the living God, lead us into all truth, and we pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Levi was very aware of the leper being healed. He was aware of what I said earlier, that Jesus had charged the leper to tell no one but to go and show yourself to the priest and to make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them just as Moses commanded. And I imagine that the, that the leper kept it quiet, but it was the priests and the Pharisees who let that get out. And thus you now have a room that is packed to the gills with Jesus speaking in the synagogue in, in Capernaum um, as the Pharisees and the Sadducees and scribes had gathered from every town in the region and we remember last week as this 
this paralyzed man is lowered through the ceiling by his friends and he, he says, your sins are forgiven you. And he looks up and he says, your faith has healed this man. And, and he gets up and he walks and he leaves with his mat. And you can see his atrophied hands just come to strength and you see muscle tissue reestablished and he stands up straight and he grabs his stuff and he walks out and, 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 and they're all gasping. And, and yet it seems as though the response, they were baffled in some capacity, but when he said about the idea of sins, it Verse 17, it says, Now it happened that a certain day he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present. Present not to heal the paralytic. Present not to bless the men in the roof. Present to speak to the moral pietist, to the religious, to the morally superior. Pausing for emphasis. He was present to heal them. Heal them of what? What do I need healing for? I'm a churchgoer. I read the scriptures. I fast, I pray, I tithe. Heal me of what? Well, it's the very first sin on the face of the earth. It's the sin of pride. It's the sin that separates us. It's a sin to make us think that the ground at the foot of the cross isn't level. It's the sin that makes us think that anyone else out there that is contrary to what I believe isn't worth my time or effort and certainly not something I have to endure pain for. They're they're lost. And they're vile. And it's true. And God loves them. And he talks about forgiveness of sins. And the only thing that these religious folks could say is, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They didn't understand that this Messiah was one to come and heal and to forgive. We want something from God. We, we, we want something, but in reality, the thing that we, we don't even really consider we need is the thing that we need the most. That's forgiveness. The Bible says, to the level you forgive, you will be forgiven. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And the question that we can ask, and I've often asked and will continue to ask, because it's vital for us to understand What do you want from God? What do we want from God? Do we want justice from God or do we want mercy? Mercy. Be careful when you ask for justice. You may get it. Everyone please scoot away from the person who said that. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Do you want justice for yourself from God? I mean, we want justice for what others have done to us. But in relation to what we've done to others and done to God, we want... Yeah. God doesn't let us off that easy. He says, no, no, no. You want mercy. You have to give it. (laughs) To who? People like you. Well, that's easy because I'm special. I'm righteous. 
you're not righteous. Christ in you is righteous. <laughs> He's imputed his righteousness to you and me. Apart from him, our works are but filthy rags. It's hard to comprehend because we struggle with that. And, and they couldn't see past their religiosity. They couldn't see this idea of needing to be forgiven, let alone forgive. They couldn't see this. They were blinded. I don't want you to say anything out loud. I don't, I don't need a comment. I want you to personally evaluate what you see in this next slide. I don't want anything out loud. Did you hear that? I want you to personally, within yourself, think to yourself, what do I see? You can giggle if you want. I've tried to pick some faces that will incite anger for everybody and joy for everybody. And for some of you, it's the reverse of the photos. And for some of you, it's the reverse of the photos. And some of you are going, yes, no, yes, no, no, yeah, I don't know who that is. Mm, yeah, no, ah, 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 some of you are like, I'll begin with the President of the United States. I don't know that he's necessarily divided the country as much as he's been a highlighter to, to show the division that exists. And even that you can disagree with. But there is never in my lifetime have I seen more clear divided lines. And, and as you see this, every one of these folks has some sort of a physical response. Who do you see? Who do you see? That's a good question. Because as we studied in Luke, turn with me again, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Watch. I asked you, what do you see? What do you see? Ready? After these things, Jesus went out, and what did he see? A tax collector named sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And so he left all, rose up, and followed him. Luke wasn't there. Luke is taking an account of somebody else. Of the four gospels, only two are disciples. Luke's not one of them. This is in three of the gospel accounts, the story of the calling. In Mark, he's called Levi. In Luke, he's called Levi. But today we're going to take a look at the calling of Matthew. Matthew. 
Matthew was a tax collector. He was in the Sea of Galilee. He would tax everything. And he was a Levite. And yes, he was a publican. And yes, he had forsaken his people. And yes, the Romans were using him. And yes, the Romans despised him and his people despised him. And he had not a friend in the world because he taxed every axle, every donkey, every basket of fish. He taxed it all. He would give the Romans what they would require. But the more he could get from the citizens, the wealthier he would become. And he became wealthy. And he had a lot of enemies. And he was irritating. And he was disgusted with the temple. He was disgusted with the religious. He couldn't stand them. And some of you in the room are sick of the church. And you've got issues with the church. And I understand. And you go, no, you don't. Okay, all right, all right, maybe I don't. But the man who discipled me was married and had three kids. I was in college. I was engaged to be married, not to Michelle, my wife. I was engaged to be married to somebody else who was pregnant with his child. And they were trying to pawn it off on me. And he was a minister. So you want to leave the church? Get in line. Take a number. God didn't let me down. People hurt me and I hurt people. I hurt my parents. I hurt them. I hurt that church. They hurt me. And you stick it out and you, 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 you hold out and you endeavor. And relationships are mended and you learn and you grow. It's amazing how pain can be a gift from God. And then you can minister to others with the comfort you yourself have received. Comfort others with the comfort you yourself have received. In the midst of that pain, God brought comfort. Or you can just avoid pain and say, I don't ever want to do it. And I'm going to live on my leper island all by myself. And I don't want pain. And your valentines are very lonely. You see, this isn't the calling of Levi. This is the calling of Matthew. Well, what's the distinction? Well, Matthew is the guy that we're reading about in Luke 5. But Matthew also wrote a gospel, and he also covered this event. And what's interesting about Matthew's gospel, even though we're studying Luke, what's interesting about Matthew's gospel is he quotes the Old Testament 99 times. That's more than all the other gospels combined. He knew, knew the Old Testament better than anyone else. He knew the Old Testament. He would quote it all the time. Over 30 times, he would say so that it might be fulfilled. He knew all the messianic prophecies. This guy got it down, and he had one word that he used more than any, any other author in the entirety of the Bible, Old and New Testament combined. He used this word more than anybody else. And, and, and I don't know. You can see it. It's that blue thing. It says, <laughs> translated from Greek, it's hypocritus, which means hypocrite. He used that word more than everybody in the Bible combined. Hypocrite. I've been hearing that a lot lately. Hypocrites. Hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. No, you're a hypocrite. <laughs> They're hypocrites. They did. did what you do? Maybe it's not that way, but hypocrite. Very common term today. Hypocrite. Matthew was hurt. What do you see 
Did you go through those pictures and see hypocrites? What do you see when you look in a mirror? Righteous? Better than? What do you see? I was watching a minister renounce a politician. Everything he said in my estimation was correct. And I was grieved by the delivery. He elevated himself at the expense of that individual. Listening to him, I couldn't see Jesus speaking that way. Everything he said was correct. It was how he said it. And I think what affected me the most is I could see myself doing the exact same thing and feeling justified by it. It fed my flesh. It was red meat to my my nature. But it wasn't right. I took a call from somebody who I'd never expect to call me in this community. And I was taken back by the graciousness of the call and the willingness to want to get to know each other and have coffee. I won't say who, but I will say I was deeply touched. It's interesting that the question is, what do you see? If you were to put a picture of this person, what do you see? I I would have a description. But because of what I heard, I no longer see what I thought I saw. Luke says this is what Jesus saw. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, a wayward Jew who was stealing money from his people, a tax collector. He was sitting in his tax office That's what Jesus saw. Well, he said, follow me. And what was interesting is he rose up and he left everything and he followed him. So he can't be that bad because he left everything. What do you see? You know, when Matthew wrote about the account, I think that's a pretty good observation, a personal one. Matthew remembered that day. Matthew saw the healed leper and the paralytic standing in front of all the Pharisees he hated. He saw the eyes of the Messiah longingly looking at the Pharisees wanting to minister and heal them of their bigotry and their Self-righteous, moral indignation. He wanted that for them. He wanted to be a part of the community, but he disdained the part that made so much pain. And he was grieved when he saw them reject it. He was hopeful when he saw them mesmerized by the paralytic walking. And then he went back to his job And he started taking money from his countrymen and he started 
working with the Romans. And everybody hated him and he was back on his island that was pain-free and lonely. Because he thought to himself, I'm done with that, I'm just going to make money. What does it profit a man to gain the world yet lose his soul? If money made you happy, then there'd be no tabloids. You become, you become like that which you worship. If you worship money, you just become cold and lifeless. He knew something was missing. He was too smart for that. And he knew this man had power. When Matthew thought back on that day, he didn't say what Luke said, that Jesus saw a tax collector, a man named Levi, Matthew didn't see what Mark saw, a man named Levi, a tax collector. When Matthew remembered that day, he remembered it this way. As Jesus passed from there, he saw a man named Matthew. Matthew wasn't his name. Matthew was a name that the Lord gave him. Matthew means gift from God. He saw a man who was not the enemy but the opportunity. He saw a gift from God. An opportunity to reach into the soul of another human being who was isolated and hated. And he knew it would cause pain to reach into his world because when he reached into his world, he'd lose the people over here. See, a bridge builder is hated on both sides of the bridge. I've gotten flack this week, and I'm not saying I'm a spectacular bridge builder. I just, I know I'm over the target because I'm getting flack from both sides. And Jesus passed on from there, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. What doesn't it say? He left everything. Matthew's thinking to himself, Lord, I struggle every day to walk with you. You may have my possessions, but giving you the entirety of my heart. For him, money was something that didn't matter. I want to be right with you. I want to make it right with everybody I've isolated myself from. And I struggle because these people hate me and they can't see beyond the fact that I was a Levite and that I was a tax collector. And Lord, there are times they just make me angry. I was going to say pissed off, but you can't say that as a minister. They make me angry. He didn't say I left everything. I did follow him, though. You see, Luke says he left all. Matthew doesn't say that. Luke says his name was Levi and he was a tax collector. Matthew said, I remember that day. He looked into my eyes and for the first time in a long time, nobody looked at me like a despised tax collector. 
He loved me. And he said I was a gift. What do you see? What do you see in a letter to the editor? What do you see in a picture of a politician? What do you see of a difficult boss or coworker or family member? Teacher? What do you see? Can you label them? Or are they a man or a woman who is a gift from God? You see, God orders our steps. He brought them into your life. You want to be upset? Blame him. Are they an irritant? Maybe. But they're a gift. Do they cause pain? Yes. Pain is a gift. I know it's hard to process. But the idea all boils down to a man who wrote a gospel account that gave more of an insight than any of the other gospels in relation to the Jews and the temple and the Romans. His insights were phenomenal. His understanding of biblical prophecy being fulfilled in the Messianic prophecies over 30 times. And it's because Jesus stepped over the aisle. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. The Romans didn't. The Jews didn't. But Jesus did. Jesus didn't see a tax collector. He didn't see a wayward Jew. He saw a man who was a gift. It's all in your perception. And you know what allows you to get angry and you see those pictures and I asked you, what do you see? If you're gonna be honest, you didn't see gifts from God in some regards. You saw people that make you, make you angry. I leave you with this last thought. When Jesus said in his final night, and we'll cover it, before he was to be crucified, he says, one of you will betray me. Nobody in the room had a clue that it was Judas. Because Jesus treated all of them lovingly. And he knew he'd betray him. Love your enemies and do good to those who spitefully use you. 